0: Well, happy Sunday to you. Uh, If you're with us for the first time or or you're worshiping with us online, know that we're glad you're here. Uh, Something I'm excited about that's coming up in September that I want to put on your radar is the next step for belonging, for making New City Church your faith family. Uh, Everything we do here at New City Church is streamlined in one direction, and it's to be changed by the gospel and to be sent out with the gospel. When we serve uh, serve and worship on Sundays, when we're in our groups, uh, during the week, uh, we, don't, we don't just do these things to play church. Uh, we do these things so God can work in us, equip us, grow us, and sharpen us so that, we can, so that God can then work through us. God works in us and through us, and a major part of that is done through a committed community of faith. Belonging to a committed body of believers is one of the means in which God uses to work in us and through us, to change us, and to send us. Uh, this is shown throughout the entire Bible, Uh, that God's people are stronger together, uh, and better together. God's model for followers of Christ is for lives to be changed by the gospel in community, in authentic relationships, and then to be sent out in community, side by side with others. And being committed to one another, locking arms together, saying I'm all in, I'm part of this family, better facilitates intentional discipleship and missional urgency. When a family of faith is committed to live on mission together, when trials and challenges come, those that are committed will step in, hold tight, lock arms and stand firm and and grow closer through trial and those that are not will step away and retreat. Being committed to a faith family allows God to change us together as a family uh, and reminds us that we're not alone. And so for those who've been kind of coming around for a while, those that have been checking out New City, uh, if you're ready to jump in and lock arms with us, to be committed with us, to see lives changed by the gospel and to reach the world with the gospel, I want to invite you to take the next step in belonging by learning what, uh, what it means to covenant with New City Church or our covenant class uh, on Monday night, September 14th. And there, there we're going to share the vision of our church, uh, what it looks like to live on mission uh, as part of, of the New City Church faith family. You're not committed to anything by coming. You're just learning what the covenant, the commitment looks like. And so be on the lookout for more information in the weeks to come. And so with that said, I'm really excited to jump back into the book of Exodus today. You know, If you remember uh, from last week where, where God's people were just released from Egypt. They were delivered out of Egypt and in the instant of a single night. After 430 years of slavery, they were released. So this massive crowd uh, which, which, as we said last week, some have estimated as close to two million people will, will all, with all their herds and, with all their herd and livestock, uh, God's people are on the move. They're exiting Egypt. It was a miraculous and powerful event. It was a movement of God. But as we'll see, they're not quite sure where they're going. And in God's kindness, God took a moment and slowed them down uh, and put in place ordinances to remember the mighty hand of God, to deliver them out of bondage and deliver them out of slavery for, for them to continually remember that God can be trusted, which gave us our, po- our main point last week, which was remember that the Lord is trustworthy. And I find it uh, a bit funny, but not ironic, uh, because you know what our main idea today is? It's the Lord is trustworthy. The Lord is trustworthy. And I, I have it as that intentionally, because last week, We said, remember the Lord is trustworthy. And this week, it's one of those moments where we really, really, really need to remember that the Lord is trustworthy. We're getting to the part of the story where where we're like, okay, God, what are you doing? Uh, This seems crazy. This is not what we planned. What's going on here? Things are happening and happening fast. This doesn't feel like smooth sailing. This ride is a bit bumpy. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. What in the world is happening here? And as we'll see again today, the Lord is doing exactly what he said he would do. God is showing his people yet again that he is powerful, he is personal, and he can be trusted. And today we'll see that he's trustworthy. And we'll see that specifically in three ways today. The Lord is a trustworthy guide, number one. Uh, number two, the Lord is trustworthy in battle. And number three, the Lord is trustworthy to save. And that's what our text will show us today. But before we get into the text... I want to remind us of this cycle that we see in the book of Exodus. This repeated cycle is essentially where God calls His people to step out in faith, and then their, their faith is stirred. Uh, hardship happens. God people doubt God, and God yet again shows His faithfulness. And then we look at this and, right, and rightfully think, God is so faithful, and His people are so prone to doubt, and it happens so often, and it happens so quickly. The cycle in Exodus, this is the Christian life because we still live in a fallen and a broken world. The cycle of faith and doubt, hardship and triumph, needing to constantly remember that God is faithful, being forced to trust God in faith. This is the Christian life. To say it another way, this, cycle, this is the cycle of a normal God-fearing, faith-filled life that follows Jesus where we step out in faith and we're, trust, we're forced to trust the Lord. Because we're finite humans, still living in a broken world, it gets hard, and we're left wondering. Like we already said, God, what are you doing? God, how is this going to work? God, I want to trust you right now, but this is really hard. God, it feels like my back's against the wall with nowhere to go. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's emotionally, physically, or possibly even spiritually. Whatever it is, I don't know what it may be, but this is the normal Christian life. That depends on the Lord and takes bold steps of faith. And I'll say this. If, if we're avoiding situations where we need to trust the Lord, if we're avoiding risks for the mission of God, where we have to depend on the Lord in faith, then maybe our faith quite possibly is too small. And when we, hear me on this, when we step out in faith, trusting the Lord and life gets hard, it can be hard to see this in the moment, but God in these moments is growing our faith and trust which then prepares us to continue to walk in greater faith. Growing in the Christian life is hard because it's constantly putting us in hard and uncomfortable situations. No one likes to be stretched, but being stretched allows us to grow. If life is always comfortable and we're never stepping out in faith and we're missing out on possible growth that God may have for our life, (laughs) take comfort in that today. If you're being or you have been stretched God is preparing you God is growing you God is deepening you I mean think about this for the people of Israel as I've already said they were in slavery for 430 years God brought 10 plagues showing his power and then the instant of a single night God's people get out like the snap of a finger and then God slows them down and says remember remember this remember that I can be trusted because you're going to need this for later God was growing their faith and trust because what's about to happen in our story, it will require even more faith and trust. It will require belief that the Lord is trustworthy. I don't know what you brought in here today, but if you are wrestling with faith, if you feel like your back's against the wall, if you feel like it's time to throw in the towel, if you just feel emotionally, mentally, and physically done, just tired, I hope that you'll listen today. I believe that God has a word for you. Let's so said, let's get into our story starting in Exodus 14, verse 17. I'm going to read, I'm going to commentate some, and then I'm going to show us our three points as we go. So look with me starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So let's stop there for a second. Pharaoh let Israel go. And what's interesting here is that God led them the long way. The fast and traditional way would be to go the route of the land of the Philistines. But God didn't want them to go this way, rather, God directed them the long way by the way of the wilderness. God wanted to take them the hard and scenic route, not the fast and easy route. And why did God do this? Because, well, God's people needed to grow and develop. It says at the end of verse 17 why God did this. God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. The fast and seemingly easy way would have led to war that they were not ready for. God needed to first work in them and prepare them, and by his grace, in this moment, he was protecting them, although I imagine it probably didn't feel like protection at the time. (laughs) It, It probably felt like God was withholding from them, but little did they know, in God's kindness, God needed to work in them first because they weren't ready. Their faith was fragile. What I find a little humorous here is that at the end of verse 18, it says, they went out of Egypt equipped for battle. Some translations say ready for battle uh, or in an orderly rank for battle. So they thought they were ready. I think we could assume they had the equipment, all the gear in battle formation ready to fight. If you remember, they just got all of Egypt's stuff. I think it's fair to say that slaves, they were slaves at this time before this, they wouldn't have had the equipment for battle. But they got the Egyptians' weapons, quite possibly, their helmets and all their gear, and they thought they were ready. They thought they were ready to conquer the world, but God was like, no, you're not ready. Israel, in this moment, he was that guy at the gym that comes onto the court with all the nicest gear. He hasn't played a game of basketball in his life. He's learned about it, he's read about it, he watched tons of games, he's even got the latest Jordans. But the poor guy, he needs to work on his game. He needs to work on his layups. He needs to do his, his, his jumper. It needs some serious work. This was Israel. This was like Israel. They were equipped for war, but God knew when they got into war, their faith would be fragile. The Lord was faithfully guiding them away from what they wanted and towards what they needed, showing us our first point, number one. The Lord is a trustworthy God. The Lord is a trustworthy God. God needed to work in them to grow their faith because God knew they would try to fight the war on their own and in turn would not go into battle, but rather retreat and go back to Egypt. The Lord was guiding them away from what they wanted, what seemed to be at that time the easy and traditional road. But that road would have ultimately caused them to retreat and go back to Egypt at the first sign of hardship. But rather, the Lord was guiding them towards what we'll see as the climax of the exodus, the climax of the story that would be known for thousands of years, the single most remembered event in God's word before Jesus Christ came onto the scene. God was guiding them towards a situation that would, be, that would force their hand to believe in faith that the Lord is trustworthy. And one of the things that I love in this story is how the Lord guided them. Uh, but before we get to how he guided them, I want us to see an important detail in verse 19 it 's in the next verse uh, that I want us to see here quickly. Look at verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here." Again, this is a seemingly strange detail to us. Uh, so not only did they take Egypt's stuff with them out of Egypt, but they also carried. Uh, Joseph's, dead Joseph's bones with them. Right? They, they carried their bones out of Egypt. Seems a bit strange. But if you remember, at the end of Genesis, God led Joseph and his family into Egypt during a famine, which, which, which was how they got to Egypt, and, they, and God showed favor on them, sparing their family in the famine. And At the very end of the book of Genesis, Joseph said to his brothers on his deathbed, what we just read, In Exodus 14, 19, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones with you from here. And so we see here close to 400 years later, we see the fulfillment of this promise showing yet again that God is trustworthy, that God will do what he says he will do, causing them to look back on the trustworthiness of God. Because it's so easy to only see what's right in front of us, the current problem of the day, and forget how God has been faithful. Because, listen, remembering, remembering the Lord's trustworthiness in the past helps us to trust the Lord in the future. Because as we've said, Israel will need to remember even more so that the Lord is trustworthy, that he is a trustworthy God. And so let's swing back around and look how he guides Israel. I love this. Look what it says starting in verse 20. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by a day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. God, again, is showing that he is Yahweh, that he's powerful that he's personal and he can be trusted. He's revealing his power to guide Israel personally by a cloud in the day and by a fire in the night. Whenever the, wherever the cloud goes, that's where Israel goes. Right? How, how crazy is that? I mean, the, Your baby wakes you up in the middle of the night and you see a, a fire move. You're like, hey, fam, it's, it's time to go again. Uh, where are we going? I don't know. Just following the fire. It seems pretty hot tonight. It uh, looks like, we're about to, it's like it's time to move. This is both really awesome uh, and really scary all at the same time. It's awesome because, well, it makes for a really cool story, one, but two, because it's pretty simple. There's not a lot of guessing here. When the cloud and fire move, they move. It's, it's pretty scary, though, because they're following a cloud and fire. That takes faith to do something what the outside world would look at and say, uh, you people are crazy. Thinking, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're going the wrong way. Uh, That wilderness out there, that's not the right way. That fire, that fire has you hallucinating. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go into the wilderness, it's lonely. It's not stable. Finding food and water will be hard and difficult. There seem uh, there, there's scary animals out there. There's coyote. There's snakes. You're you're just playing crazy. But you know what? Israel didn't know where they were going or how long or how it would work. But Israel was trusting their God. And for us today, we may look at our life wondering, God, what are you doing? How, how is this going to work? God, where are you taking me? Maybe uh, like Israel thinking, God, I'm lonely. Maybe, my li- maybe your life feels unstable. Maybe you're wondering, what have I done? How, how did I get to where I am today? Maybe, uh, God, uh, maybe you have circumstances that are causing I- a bit of anxiety. Uh, and let me remind us today that we might, might not always know the details of our life, but we know our God is trustworthy. We don't follow a cloud or fire. No, God has given us instruction in his word. God has made it clear to us what we are to do. As followers of Jesus Christ, our calling as Christians is to make disciples of all nations, to love God and to love people, to spread the name of Jesus. God has shown us the end of the story, our end goal, where people from all over the world will be worshiping Jesus. Worship of Jesus is the end goal. It's both the process and the end goal. Listen, we don't need a cloud or fire to follow. God has given us the wisdom of his written word. He's given us a community of faith to help us walk in wisdom. And may we not forget, may we not forget that we are a Holy Spirit empowered people. We don't have to look for outside signs like clouds or fire because if we trust in Jesus Christ, God's spirit, our God is living inside of us and spurring us on to walk in faith while we live within the tracks of wisdom, living in the direction of his written word. May we not forget that the Lord is a trustworthy God. There's so much we could say here, but let's continue reading as we, can, as we see the Lord's detailed instruction as, as he guides. Look at chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth between Migdol and, and the sea, in front of Baal, Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. And then look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 here. We see our trustworthy God's foresight and power here. Verse 3 for, power, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Let me rephrase this for us Pharaoh will look at the people and think, uh, You fools! You're stuck with nowhere to go. You're in the wilderness and you're trapped. I've got you cornered. But little does Pharaoh know, this plays directly into the Lord's hand to yet again show the mighty hand of God. Look at what it says next about Pharaoh trying to get them back. Starting in verse five. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this we have done? That we have let Israel go from serving us so he made ready his chariots and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The, Egypt, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and, over, and overtook them and camped by the sea by Pi-hahiroth in front of Behal's Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. This is the tense moment in the story. It's estimated there's over 2 million people uh, with their herds and flocks wandering out in the desert. They're equipped for battle, but they don't have a fighting chance. They don't have have any experience in war. They're on the edge of the desert, facing the ocean, following a a cloud by day and fire by night. And they look out and see Pharaoh and massive army and horses and a trained military officer. They've got the Egyptians coming on one side and the ocean on the other. They've got no boats and no way out. They're trapped. And may we not forget, they were just remembering the trustworthiness of God. Remembering the Lord's faithfulness to get them out of Egypt They were following the Lord's guidance, which led them to this moment. It led them to be trapped and terrified. Look what God's people said. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we have said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They essentially look at Moses and say, we told you we didn't want to leave Egypt, (laughs) which, let me point out, was not true. We look back at the end of chapter 4, when they first heard of how they would get out of Egypt, we see at the end of chapter 4, they bowed down and worshiped. They were thrilled at the news to leave Egypt, and here they are deceiving themselves, losing sight of reality in the face of fear. They basically said to Moses, we would have rather been slaves in Egypt than to die in the wilderness where God has led us. Let me me rephrase that for us. Israel would have rather lived in bondage and slavery under an evil Pharaoh than die serving the Lord, following the Lord, which gives us insight to their fragile faith because they could not say, as the apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because in this moment, they wanted to retreat. They had no option. The Lord brought them to this point so they could see again the mighty hand of God. Look what Moses says back to the people of Israel in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, "'Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent.'" And Israel's trouble, they were fearful. They knew they were stuck and trapped. Everything everything was against them. And Moses comes in and speaks to them, reminding them of our second point that the Lord is trustworthy in battle. Moses The man who is known to be fearful uh, to speak, the man who is known not to be eloquent, who is known to have a slow tongue. We see God come in, uh, step in, and use Moses to instill great courage and faith in God's people when their backs were against the wall. And he says in verse 13, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. I love this. Look what he says next in verse 13. Moses says, uh, which he will work for you today. These Egyptians, they will be no more. Uh, They will be gone. You will never see them again. And he says, the Lord will fight for you. I don't know who needs to hear this today. Maybe you're in a hard season. Maybe you're anxious about something. Maybe you're holding on to something that seems way too heavy to bear. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe a relationship is really hard right now. Maybe you're lonely or feel isolated. Maybe you have an ongoing sin problem. Maybe you've been praying for God to move in a person's life and it seems like nothing is happening. Hear this scripture spoken over your life. Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will work for you. The Lord will fight for you. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. I want to call us today to believe this, to know this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, hear this amazing truth spoken over your life that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and is pleading to God for you. He is pleading to God for you, and He is fighting for you on your behalf. The Lord is fighting and pleading for you. He is fighting and pleading for us. And so fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Because as we will see, salvation, it comes from the Lord, which brings us to our third point. The Lord, number three, the Lord is trustworthy to save. Israel was fearful and in a difficult spot. Right, backs against the wall, and Moses calls God's people to walk in great faith, to fear not, stand firm, and see the Lord's salvation, because the Lord will do the fighting. Let, let's finish our, our story here and see God do a miraculous work to save his people from the hand of Pharaoh. Look what it says, starting in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So God uh, gives his instruction to, walk, to, Pharaoh, to, to Moses, to walk up to the sea, to lift up his staff and stretch out his arm, his hands over the sea, to divide the sea in half so that Israel may walk through the sea on dry ground. And when this happens, Moses, he says to Moses, Moses, Pharaoh and his army will come after you, but they will see God's incredible glory and power over Pharaoh. How's that for a way out, right? This is the moment where God's people really, really need to remember that the Lord is trustworthy. They have no other choice. God has brought them to a place where they have to wholeheartedly trust the Lord. They have to recall the Lord's previous mighty hand to work in and power. And look what happens in verse 19. And then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them What a miraculous scene. The ocean splits and the people walk on dry ground. And the, Whenever I read this or hear this, I just think of the massive, I think of a massive aquarium similar to the one that would be in downtown Tampa, uh, where you can sit there and kind of look up and see that massive glass wall. Uh, you can see the sharks and the stingrays and the, the different colors of the fish, the plants, the seaweed, those little tiny minnows and the little, the little funny puffer fish, and then there's that crazy guy that's swimming with the sharks, that's sitting there in that aquarium. But yet there was no glass like this, like we see at the aquarium. God's mighty hand was holding the sea walls, and God's people walked through. They walked through untouched from either side. And then look how God shows His glory over Pharaoh, starting in verse 23. Even the Egyptians were seeing that the Lord was fighting for them. (laughs) That That their great army had nothing. They had no fighting chance against the mighty hand of God. They were stuck, and it says they were forced into a panic. And look what happens next. In 26, then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Who who followed the Lord made it out untouched. But the Egyptians, who were against God and his people, they did not make it out. The sea came crashing in on them, experiencing the judgment of God. What, What was miraculous and marvelous for one was terrifying for another. Israel walks out untouched, but just imagine this scene for the Egyptians a massive tidal wave came crashing down on the Egyptian army. The horses, the chariots, the military officers, they didn't have a fighting chance, which reminds me of Psalm 27. It says, some trust in uh, chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The horses and chariots appear strong, but they had no fighting chance against the mighty hand of God. But I wanna speak into something very important here uh, and be very clear about something. As we've seen throughout the entire book of Exodus, this book is physically illustrating a spiritual reality that comes full circle through the gospel. This is a commonly there is a commonly used phrase in Christianity we call salvation. And this word, this idea, it's illustrated in today's story. With God's people on one side staring death in the face. The Egyptians are coming at them. They have no chance. They were facing great condemnation from Egypt. Their punishment was rushing towards them. They were enslaved and in bondage under Egypt. And through one event, not based on character, not based on what they've done, not even based on the amount of their faith, no, through one decisive and instant event by faith, walking through the Red Sea, the only thing that changed was Israel's status. Israel crossed from facing death to facing life. Israel crossed from slave under Egypt to free Israel moved from the condemnation under Egypt to what Paul says in Romans 8, there is now no more condemnation. This is salvation. There is a change of status. And this is such good news because through the cross of Jesus Christ, by believing in faith, that Jesus died and rose from the dead, there is a one-time decisive and instant event that changes our status before God. We're no longer slaves but free. We have crossed from death to life. There is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. This is good news. And to further explain this picture of salvation, where we see one decisive and instant event, like this event of the parting of the Red Sea, where on one side it brings salvation God's people, where on the other side it brings judgment for God's enemies. This too is a clear picture of a reality that was made true through the cross of Jesus Christ. This one decisive event where Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, died on the cross where Jesus Christ was substituted in to cover the sin of the world. This one event deemed salvation for one, judgment for another. Because those who trust in Jesus receive Jesus' reward as a child of God who become sons and daughters of God. We receive salvation. And the hard reality of this is that those who do not trust this receive the judgment of God. This was pictured in the Passover. And it's pictured again here with the parting of the Red Sea. Those that trust in the name of Jesus Christ will walk into the kingdom of God untouched, unhindered, as a miraculous event, as a miracle from God, as a mighty hand of salvation from the hand of God. And those that do not, those that reject Jesus Christ, they become God's enemy. And there is a great tragedy just like the Egyptians experience. Those who follow the Lord, trust in the name of the Lord, will make it into God's kingdom and those who are enemies of God will not. The one event of the cross is a sign of salvation for some and judgment for the rest. It's either believed and trusted or it's not. If you are not a Christian, if you're listening online, I pray that you would hear this today and follow the Lord, believing that the Lord is trustworthy, that you would trust in Jesus Christ and enter into the kingdom of God and experience the trustworthiness of God to guide you, to fight your battles for you and save you. The Lord is trustworthy. Jesus Christ is trustworthy. Will you trust him today? If you are a Christian here today, I want to call you to remember again that the Lord is trustworthy. The Lord is trustworthy to guide. That The Lord is trustworthy to fight our battles. And the Lord is trustworthy to save. But as we close here in the last five minutes of our time or so, I want to read the end of our story and then make a final charge for us today. So read with me, starting in verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. What Israel experienced that day, what they witnessed put them in awe. It put them in fearful fear worshipful all, leading them to believe the Lord, fueling their faith. And so what I want us to consider today as a church and ask ourselves is, do we believe this? Do we believe in the Lord to do what he says he will do? When it seems like our backs are against the wall, when it seems like we're trapped. Maybe it's a sin struggle. Maybe there's an ongoing emotional struggle with loneliness or anger or bitterness or anxiety. Maybe there's a struggle to forgive someone. Maybe someone in your life continues to make bad choices over and over and over again, and you don't know how to help. Or maybe you just feel like your life is in the wilderness and you're not sure what to do. I don't know what it may be, but may we not forget that we have a trustworthy God that says to us, fear not, stand firm, I will fight for you. We have a trustworthy God that is fighting for us and fighting with us. It may not all make sense. It may look crazy at times, but know this, that we can trust the mighty hand of God. That said, the last thing I want to call us to today is a call to believe the Lord to save. The Lord is trustworthy to save people. One of the things that the Lord struck me with in this passage, specifically this week, as I repeatedly said, said what was a call to stand firm, to fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. And to put some real life, raw teeth on this, if I were honest with you today, uh, my mind for our young new church, in some ways, because of all that's gone on this year, has somewhat unintentionally just kind of skipped over the next few months. But over the past several weeks, the Lord has reignited in my own heart a zealous faith as a call to fear not, stand firm, and to see the salvation of the Lord. I am absolutely refusing to settle for anything less than to see the mighty hand of God move in power and to, God, and to see God save lost souls, to see God bring people from death to life, to see God bring people from slavery of sin to freedom in Christ, to see God declare over the lives of people that there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. New City Church, may we not retreat. May we not settle, may we believe in the Lord, to trust the Lord, to daily fight the spiritual battle, to save sinners. I I want to be the first to repent of my lack of faith and turn, turn to the mighty hand of God, to stand firm, fear not, and watch the Lord save. Let me ask the question, how are are you boldly praying? Who are you boldly praying for here in the Tampa area? Praying that the Lord uh, would see the salvation of the Lord. May we be zealous in faith, refusing to settle and retreat, praying and begging to bring, for God to bring salvation, to see lives changed by the gospel and sent out with the gospel. What's it going to take? Who do we need to call today? Who, who are you praying for? Who do you need to be intentional with this week? Who do we need to be bold with this week? Brothers and sisters, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. This is the Lord's battle that we get to be a part of and he guides us into. May we trust the Lord to save. May we trust the Lord because he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy to save, he's trustworthy to guide. Let's fear not, let's pray. Lord, we love you, we need your help. Father, you are trustworthy to guide us, you're trustworthy in our battles and Father, you're trustworthy to save. May we believe this. May we be intentional, may we be zealous in our faith. Father, we want to see the salvation of the Lord. Would you work? Would you move? Would we see your mighty hand? We love you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.